Hello and welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Wednesday, February 5th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined today on the show by Jeff Duncan, columnist for The Athletic and longtime New Orleans resident. Jeff spent the week in Miami for the Super Bowl and spoke on behalf of Sam Mills to be considered uh, as an inductee to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. First things first, Jeff, how was Miami? Well, Caroline, it was, uh, you know, a typical Super Bowl week, uh, very hectic, but obviously it's uh, the biggest event in American sports, uh, so it's always kind of exciting, and I thought the matchup probably had two of the two or three best teams in the league probably matched up, and the weather was spectacular, and the game I thought was uh, very well played, so, uh, you know, it was a good Good Super Bowl week. I thought the game was certainly better than the one we saw the previous year in Atlanta between the Patriots and the Rams. I know for Saints fans, it probably was tough to watch knowing that uh, the Saints probably were as good as those two teams. Mm. It's been the case the last few years, but uh, I certainly thought that the the Rams, I'm sorry, the 49ers and Chiefs kind of represented themselves well. Yeah, I thought so too. And I said to JD and Rod Walker, who were on the show earlier this week, uh, I was happy we didn't boycott the Super Bowl because it was it was pretty entertaining. Um, but Jeff, you tweeted out the other day that you thought New Orleans was a better host city for the Super Bowl than Miami. Can you shed some light on why you think that? Yeah, and that's not a new opinion. I mean, it's the same opinion I had when the Saints won the Super Bowl down there uh, in 2009, 2010. Uh, you know, Miami, the South Beach area, is just so spread out. Logistically, uh, it's not a great Super Bowl site for, uh, you know, a lot of people involved. Not not just the media. The fans are spread out at different hotels around the South Beach area. You know, downtown Miami, South Beach, is a good 20, 30 minutes away from Fort Lauderdale. I, I remember distinctly uh, when we were down there, Caroline, the, the Saints Media Hotel was up in Fort Lauderdale. And then the stadium is in a completely different part of the area, uh, 20 or 30 miles away from Miami. And so everything's spread out, and that's completely opposite of what you have in New Orleans, where everything is located on a small downtown footprint. The stadium, of course, the Superdome, is just a few blocks away from where the teams stay. I guess the longest commute anybody has in New Orleans is just to get out to the Saints complex for practice when one of the teams will practice at that facility and the other team usually practices at Tulane. But otherwise, everything's right there for the fans, the media. And it's not just fans and media. It's also, as we know, the Super Bowl is a huge corporate event. Lots of of huge parties being, being held. All those things are also right downtown. All the restaurants, all the nightlife is right there. And that's just not the case in Miami. It's very spread out, and you spend a lot of time in traffic, gridlock traffic, trying to get between these these different venues. And so I just think it's way more frustrating to have a, an event like the Super Bowl in a place like this as compared to New Orleans or even some of the other good markets. You know, Indianapolis doesn't have the great weather, but their downtown footprint's much like New Orleans. Everything's in close proximity and just makes it more user-friendly. Well, I know I'm looking forward to 2024 when the Saints uh, or when New Orleans hosts the Super Bowl here in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, especially uh, after the renovations that everyone's been talking about uh, over the the off season and in over the summer. Yeah, it's going to be spectacular. I mean, once we get 
the dome, I think, renovated again. All the new additions. Uh, it's going to be very exciting, I think, uh, for the fans. So much, so many of the enhancements are going to be bec- uh, for the fans. It's going to improve, I think, the game experience for everyone in the building. And uh, you know, that's going to upgrade the the dome to uh, a state-of-the-art facility. And I think that, along with the great weather we always have at this time of year, along with all the things we talked about, the, the, the small footprint, the proximity of everything, uh, it continues to make New Orleans uh, the elite place to have the Super Bowl. And it's not just me saying that. I know I'm biased. <laughs> You're probably biased. But everyone in the, in the national media corps will tell you the same thing, and I think most fans would say the same thing. I like the word elite when using when talking about New Orleans. I like that, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, you talked about, or we introduced this about you um, talking about Sam Mills as a finalist into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we talked to Jim Mora on Friday's show about why he thought Sam should be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, but we know you had to go through a process of giving a presentation to the committee of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of how that entire process works? Sure. Well, uh, you know, I, I did talk to Jim Moore at length about Sam. I know he was a huge um, advocate for Sam to go in the Hall of Fame. And the first thing I would say to, to Saints fans and the people that were disappointed that Sam Mills was not inducted, uh, he was probably up against it a little bit uh, from the aspect of this was his first time as a finalist. He's been, uh, you know, eligible for the Hall of Fame uh you know, since he retired, well, five years after he retired is when a player becomes eligible for the Hall of Fame. So this was the 18th year of eligibility for Sam Mills, and it was the first time he ever made it to a finalist uh, in the final 15. So I think that alone makes him something of a long shot. It's very similar, Caroline, to Everson Walls, the great Cowboys cornerback a few years ago. He made it in very late uh, in his eligibility period. And he didn't make it in either. And so I, I think from that alone, it was going to be difficult for Sam to get in because there were so many other players that had already been finalists multiple years, players like Edron James, uh, Isaac Bruce, uh, that had been in that room, as they say, for six or seven years as a finalist, uh, kind of in the queue ahead of Sam, if you will. And uh, I think that, that bared out. But, but what I was going to say uh, don't don't give up hope for Sam Mills. There was a lot of support for him among the selection committee. A lot of people spoke on his behalf. You know, he's a unique player in that he he played in Philadelphia in the United States Football League before he came to New Orleans with Jim Mora and when Jim Finks took over as general manager. So the the representative from Philadelphia, Paul Domowicz, spoke on his on Sam's behalf to his Philadelphia Stars tenure. And, and, you know, we have to remember this is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's not the NFL Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So his, Sam Mills' time in Philadelphia is considered, uh, you know, a part of his resume. And then after Sam left New Orleans, he went to Car- Car- uh, Carolina and was a huge uh, factor in their uh, kind of rebuild there as a franchise, as a, uh, you know, expansion franchise. He was a leader on that team, and Darren Gant on the selection committee, who's from Charlotte, spoke to Sam's time in in Carolina. So we had three selection committee members uh, speaking and advocating for Sam Mills, and there was a lot of support for him in the room. I just think it's very difficult uh, for anyone to get in the Hall of Fame because we're only allowed 
in the process to induct five out of the 15. So it's not that people are saying Sam Mills doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. It's it's people are saying these other five people that we think were maybe more worthy this year of getting in. So I think Sam Mills will eventually be a Hall of Famer. I think he's a deserving Hall of Famer, and he will get in. It's just this was not the year for him to do it. So what does that mean moving forward for Sam and his eligibility? Obviously, he's eligible, as you just said, but does he automatically become a finalist next year? Tell the people who don't understand the process kind of what that means going forward for him. Yeah, no, that's a good question. It it starts over every year because there's a new group of eligible candidates each year because of that five-year window that players have to wait Mm. uh, to become eligible. Uh, so this year, Troy Palomalo, the former Pittsburgh Steelers safety, was a, this was his first year uh, eligible for induction. He made it through. Reggie Wayne, of course, a New Orleans native who played for the Colts all those years, this was his first year, and he made it as a finalist, did not make it in. So he'll be on the ballot again next year. But it starts over every year because there's a new group to consider. And next year, Caroline is going to be one of the biggest uh, group, uh, most impressive probably groups of first-year eligible players in the history of the Hall of Fame. You're going to have Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and Calvin Johnson all eligible for the first time next year and most likely are going to be very strong candidates for induction in their first year on the ballot. So that's going to only say if those three players get in on the first year, it's only going to leave two open spots Hmm. next year to get in. So it's going to be very difficult. That's why this year was so important for a lot of players to be able to get in because they knew next year was going to be a star-studded class. But the way it works is there's a a list of of players on the ballot that we're all um, basically uh, given a list to vote on. We vote uh, from 75. We get it down to a group of 75, and then we vote again a few months later. This all starts in the summer, and we get it down to 25. And those are uh, semifinalists among the 25 from down from 75. Then we vote again on those 25, and that is the group of 15 finalists that actually get uh, brought to the Super Bowl every year uh, to the selection committee um, uh, to be considered for induction. And we get that down to five in that meeting. And the meeting is held every year the day before the Super Bowl at the Super Bowl site. And so it's, it's a whittling down process that, uh, you know, involves several layers and, it, and it's whittled down over the course of months uh, that we, we do this every year. Yeah, I saw your clip on uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Twitter page of you advocating on behalf of Sam. But, um, you know, we've heard Jim Morris speak. We heard your spiel in the in the presentation, or I did. Maybe others didn't, but if they want to, they can go on the Pro Football Hall of Fame's um, Twitter page and watch that. But, Jeff, I want to know your thoughts on Sam because you have to have some of your own aside of what, uh, of what Jim and, and Sean Payton and so many other people have thought about Sam. Well, he's just. I think you have to look beyond just the statistics for Sam Mills. And, and this was one of the points I hammered in the room. We tend to focus a lot on numbers, and Sam Mills certainly was incredibly productive in his, in his career. I mean, the, the thing that stood out to me, not only was he a leader at all three uh, organizations that he played at in Philadelphia, New Orleans, and Carolina, he was a captain, a team leader, he, he led those teams at each stop 
to either division titles to the postseason or in the case of Philadelphia, he led them to USFL championships in two years. So he was a winner at each stop and a productive leader on the team. He was a team captain to all three stops. And the thing that blew me away, though, not only was he productive, led the team in tackles at each one of those places, but he, he was incredibly durable at a position linebacker of what I call a collision position. He's colliding with someone on every play just about. Uh, you know, he only missed seven games uh, because of injury in his entire career. And those seven games, Caroline, were because of a staph infection that he developed after a surgery in 1993, really kind of a fluke thing. It had nothing to do with him not wanting to play. It was, uh, you know, a, a fluke infection that developed that kind of forced him to miss the first seven games of the 1993 season. Otherwise, he never missed a game. And that's amazing for the linebacker position. I mean, just look at the Saints last year. We, we saw so many linebackers go in and out of the lineup because of injuries because that position, much like running back, you're colliding with somebody all the time. So it speaks to his toughness, uh, you know, his leadership, all these intangibles that I think were what made Sam Mills an extraordinary player. I mean, he, he was so productive. And I know a lot of people talk about his size, and I tried to relate that to, to my experience in covering Drew Brees. I mean, we've, we've all heard of how Drew Brees was too short to play quarterback. Uh, a lot of people discounted him when he came out of Austin Westlake High School. He was discounted when he came to the NFL out of Purdue because of his height. Sam Mills went through that same thing as a linebacker, and he had such an incredible story of overcoming those odds and, and the stigma of being a 5'9 linebacker. He wasn't drafted out of Montclair State, even though he had records uh, for tackles there and was an All-American. And then, uh, you know, he was cut by the Cleveland Browns and cut by the Toronto Argonauts by the CFL, and he didn't give up hope. He went back home. He was teaching to, to provide a salary for his family and his newborn son. And while he was doing that, he continued to work out. He got a trial with the Philadelphia Stars, and then and his career took off from there. But I think he's just a testament to everything that the Hall of Fame represents, the, the, the intangibles of toughness, leadership, and, and commitment to the team and selflessness. Uh, that was Sam Mills, and he was a leader on great teams. In Carolina, Kevin Green, who was a member of the Hall of Fame, said Sam Mills was a guy he looked up to on that defense. In New Orleans, that great Dome Patrol linebacker crew that sent all four members to the Pro Bowl, Ricky Jackson, who's in the Hall of Fame, he looked up to Sam Mills. So great players were looking up to him. So I think he's definitely worthy of getting in the Hall of Fame. I just think he's in a queue right now behind some other uh, deserving candidates as well, and it's just going to take a little time to get him in. Yeah, and of all those things, Jeff, that you mentioned, I think the thing that surprised me the most when I was looking at Sam and all the things that he's done is when he had to, when he got cut from those teams and he had to teach, what was he teaching? Woodworking and, and photography? Am I correct in that? Correct. Yeah, at a high yes. school to support his family, but he continued to work out and he continued to be persistent in his career and chasing those dreams. I think so often, especially nowadays, you see guys who don't make the team and then they get cut and then, all right, well, that's it for my career. And they just kind of give up. But Sam, I mean, that is, that's pretty insane to teach high school classes and then continue to pursue your dreams yeah and I think that that toughness that mental toughness and that uh you know extraordinary kind of um mental uh uh mindset that he had is what carried him throughout his career and helped him overcome 
all you know the stigma that you would have of being a five nine linebacker. I mean, I think it's the league has actually changed in the last few years, and there's less of a uh, you know stigma for shorter players. I mean, we, we saw what Drew Brees how he's changed the perception of quarterbacks. Now you have Kyler Murray, the number one pick in the draft, who's five nine. We've certainly seen everything that Russell Wilson's done uh, in Seattle, an MVP candidate almost every year. I think Drew, along with Doug Flutie, who was, who was a mentor for Drew in San Diego, they changed the perception of, of quarterback play. And I think Sam Mills did that for linebackers. After him, we've seen Zach Thomas, who was also a Hall of Fame finalist uh, from the Miami Dolphins, who was a very similar, uh, uh, a very similar stature to Sam Mills. And London Fletcher, who's also probably going to be considered for the Hall of Fame down the road, shorter, instinctive linebackers uh, that overcame probably you know some some uh, deficiencies because they weren't as big, but they were so good, uh, so smart, and so smart mentally <clears throat> that they could uh, compensate for whatever lack of size they might have. So Sam Mills is going to get in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt in my mind. Mm. Uh, it didn't happen this year. Uh, but there's too many people that, you know, Jim Moore, I'm sure, told you. He's the best player he ever coached. Yep. Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, told me he was as good as Mike Singletary. You know, Mike Singletary is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Vince Tolvin told me the same thing, that he was as good as any linebacker he ever coached. He's got too many great people supporting him that believe he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's just going to take a little time. Well, I think there's no better person to represent Sam and to represent everything that he's done than you because everything you just said, I want to vote for him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> no, I know. And look, it's it's a difficult process. But I always try and tell people, Caroline, it's, it's like a beauty contest. Every every contestant there is beautiful. You know, it, yeah. it's in, the, in that room, when you get to the final 15, uh, you are a great player you don't make it that far without having an incredible resume and incredible career the challenge we have as selection committee members is trying to distinguish between 15 beautiful candidates and everyone has their own opinion on that and and it's not apples to oranges lots of times it's players that play different positions oftentimes in different eras of the game sam mills played in the 80s and 90s we're comparing his resume to say a wide receiver like Reggie Wayne, who played in the 2000s and played a completely different position. And you might have a player like Sam or Calvin Johnson, who's going to come up next year as a wide receiver, who never won a playoff game on their resume or maybe won one playoff game. And you're comparing them against someone like Richard Seymour, defensive tackle, who won multiple Super Bowls with the Patriots. And, and you're trying to compare, you know, not only their resumes and their statistics, but also the championships they won, how that vital they were to those championships. So there's a lot of considerations that are weighed when you get down to, uh, you know, the fine um, details of comparing players at this level. It's a, it's a challenge every year, but it's a very rewarding process. And I don't know a better way to do it than, than the way that the hall of fame does it with this committee, because it's, it's not only is it writers that have covered the league a long time, but we also have two former players, James Lofton and Dan Fouts, who are hall of famers who also are part of the selection committee. And so we have a lot of different uh, perspectives on there from from a lot of different uh, years of covering the NFL. What I took from that, Jeff, was that you want to judge the Miss Louisiana pageant next year. Yes. Okay. How did you know? Uh, How did you get in that room? It that's, was very clear. 
<laughs> well, Jeff, we appreciate your time. We'll let you go. Uh, good luck with the writing and everything that you have on your plate. And uh, we look forward to more of your articles uh, coming up this off season. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me. All I right. really enjoyed it. Thanks to Jeff for joining us on today's show. You can find his articles on The Athletic if you've downloaded the app. Today's uh, episode was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing, but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS, that's no spaces, all caps, at checkout. Go Saints, SeatGeek. Score the best deals on tickets. That'll do it for the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek on Friday. You don't want to miss it. We have Thomas Morstead, the Saints punter, in studio to talk a little bit about the 10-year anniversary of the Super Bowl win for the New Orleans Saints. So you don't want to miss that. Again, Thomas Morstead in studio. That'll be on Friday's podcast. All right, I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Thanks for joining me on today's show, and see you on Friday.